Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Did you know in the moment you leave this earth, you will immediately be ushered into eternity, either into the presence of God or out of the presence of God? Have you received Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul that you might avoid eternal destruction and separation from Jesus Christ in hell? Let's open our Bible now to 1 Thessalonians 5 and discover these amazing truths. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. Today is Saturday, January 30th, 2021. Hope everyone is doing well and uh, I hope you had the just the greatest January of your entire life in walking with Jesus. Most months that actually I remember, I I try to pray that this you know, this February, for instance, here in two days would be the, the greatest February of my life in growing to know Jesus and growing to love him and in growing to obey him. So I hope everyone had a uh, just a wonderful January in, in doing all those things and that uh, this coming February would be a February like never before. Just just an explosion in your walk with Jesus Christ, just where you tangibly experience him and just a a greater and more fulfilling way. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Today, our Bible study will be on 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Some just uh, incredible verses. I was, uh, I was studying this this morning, and uh, my, uh, my sister Wendy actually uh, went through this with me in a full Bible study this morning. And so... Uh, She's my older sister, and I uh, I thank you, lady. It was just a, a wonderful time of just studying the scriptures. And I think we did it. What did we do it for? An hour, I believe, we studied these 11 scriptures, and we just uh, we talked about it, and I was, I'm practicing. Um, you know, before I do these podcasts, I study the scriptures over and over and over, and, and oftentimes I'll actually do the Bible study several times with different brothers or sisters in Christ, um, that have a desire to do that and are interested in that. And so she was excited to do it this morning. She pointed out some great things. And and we just had a, a, a really good time, a Bible study. And really, there is nothing in your life that you'll do today or any day than spend time in your Bible studying the scriptures. Really, what what, what Wendy did today in studying the Bible uh, there's nothing she'll do in this day, not even close, that will have the same value as what she did in spending that time in the Word of God. And there's certainly nothing that I will do that will have had more value than giving myself to the Word of God. When you're studying the Scriptures, when you're reading your Bible, when you're doing Bible study, you're feeding your soul. You're actually feeding your spirit. You're nourishing your soul and spirit with the living word of God. 
And for those who are Christians who have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, once you become a Christian, there's literally nothing in your life more important than giving yourself time in the Word of God. That is the single most important aspect in your life. Now, also, you want to be spending time in prayer, spending time in thanksgiving, just thanking your heavenly Father, thanking Jesus, thanking the Holy Spirit, right, Lauren? Um, you want to spend time in repentance, acknowledging to the Lord the areas of your life that are out of place, and, you know, giving sincere repentance. You want to spend time in praise and worship to the Lord. Um, you want to spend time going to church is a, is, is a wonderful time. You know, all of these things will help you grow in your relationship with Jesus, but none of them are as important as time in your Bible. Remember, when we pray, you know, prayer is primarily an exercise of you speaking, you know, to, to your heavenly Father, or when you pray to Jesus, or when you pray to the Holy Spirit, it's, it's primarily an exercise of you talking to, to, to God. Um, and certainly there are aspects of prayer where we try to listen. But when you read your Bible, your Bible is, is God speaking to you as opposed to prayer is you speaking to God. Now, both are extremely important. But I am going to go out on a limb here and say his words to me are probably more important than my words to him. Okay? So let me say again. Prayer is an extremely important discipline. Worshiping the Lord is extreme. All of these things are, are incredible things the Lord has given us that we might grow closer to him. But spending time in the word of God is, is the single most important aspect of our lives. Jesus himself is called the word of God. The son of God in your Bible in John 1.1 1, 1 is referred to as the word of God. Golly, thank you, Lord Jesus. So, all right, we're rolling here. Um, so 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read it, and we will get right into it. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace and safety. Destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you brothers are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So that's in your Bible. It's in the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5. That's verses 1 through 11. Now, the first question we always ask ourselves is, why is this in the Bible? 
Why did the Holy Spirit choose to put this in the Bible? And uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 4 says that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us or instruct us. So when we're reading the scriptures, it's not just there to tell us a good story. We want to see what it has to instruct us. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, um, uh, verses 6 and 11 tell us that these things are written down as examples for us. So again, when we're studying the scriptures, we want to see what the example is for us that we might learn from it. So I'm going to go ahead and pray. And um, we're just going to we're going to just dive right into verse one. Father, we thank you for your mercy and favor and goodness on our lives. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. And Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our Lord, our master, our king, our God. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the scriptures. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. We commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 1. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we don't need to write to you. Verse 2, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The Apostle Paul uh, is writing this letter to the Thessalonians. It's a church in Thessalonica. Um, and he tells them that their concern should not be about times and dates. And that's interesting because... Um, Oftentimes in the body of Christ, we can get distracted where we give too much attention to looking for the exact time and the exact date that Jesus is coming back. Now, the good news is the word of God promises Jesus is coming. And with all my heart, I hope Jesus comes before this recording ends. I hope that I'm just going through something and boom, I stop because I got taken up by Jesus uh, into the clouds. That really would. Matter of fact, come Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I do pray that you would come. Lord, we know that when you come, that the world will be set right. When you come, Lord, you'll bring order to disorder. So Father, we just pray, come Lord Jesus, that we might be with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Matter of fact, the Bible ends. If you turn to the end of your Bible in Revelation chapter 22, um, you will see that John will end the Bible, end the book of Revelation by saying, come Lord Jesus, right? He says, come Lord Jesus. Then he tells us that the grace of God is with us. And so we, we echo that father. We say, come Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Um, but Paul says, as far as, you know, times and dates, we're not told the exact time or date. Now, based on prophecy, we know everything has been fulfilled prophetically with the restoration of Israel. And that's a whole other discussion. But now Jesus could come in any moment. And we're going to talk about, are you ready for that moment? Are, are you prepared? Are you in Jesus Christ today? Because he could return. And you want to be ready. You don't want to be in darkness. You want to have Christ living in you. Because that's all that matters. And if you don't have Jesus Christ living in you, we're going to see in these scriptures that you're living in utter and complete darkness. Um, Wendy and I were talking this morning and, you know, you know, Paul makes it clear 
that, look at verse 6, So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. If you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then the Bible says you're in darkness, in complete and total darkness. When we were in Africa, Jesse and I were, I don't know, seven, eight, nine hours, maybe deep into the African bush, into the African jungle. And it got to be nighttime, nine, 10 o'clock at night. And I have never seen this kind of darkness. There is some special kind of darkness that's so dark. It's like he could be, he was like six inches from me and I cannot see anything. I did not know darkness like that existed. And what the scripture says that is if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your entire life is one of darkness. You do not have the light of Christ, the light of God, by which and only which you can see all things. It, it, it's as if, verse 6, so then let us not be like others who are asleep. If you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible tells us that it's like you're asleep 24 hours a day. You live your life like you're completely unconscious, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you're unconscious. No awareness of anything at all. Oblivious to the true meaning of life. Now, I don't like that. I wish everyone in the world knew God and was walking with our Heavenly Father. But the Bible is unambiguous. It's not confusing. It's only in Jesus Christ. Only in Jesus Christ. I guess I better say it again. Only in Jesus Christ that you can receive light and understanding and truth and insight and awareness and relationship with God the Father. It's only in Jesus Christ can you have any understanding really about anything. If, if you have Jesus Christ in your life, literally every single thing you do, you'll be better at. And the greater you grow in Jesus Christ, the more it'll have an effect on every single thing you do. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we don't need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, verse 3, peace and safety. Destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But then he says in verse four, but you brothers are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. So when he says that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, a thief comes, right? He comes and he comes in a very sly way and you don't know he's there and then it's just gone, right? If you don't know Jesus Christ today, you could turn around one day and miss it all. There is an urgency for you to know Jesus Christ. Because if you don't know Jesus today, if you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, when Jesus comes back, he won't be your Lord. He is the Lord of heaven and earth right now. Those were his very words. Matthew 28, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Jesus is the boss of everything. And when he comes, 
You want to make sure you belong to him. Now, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, when you call on him in prayer and say, Lord Jesus, I do confess I'm a sinful man or woman. Lord, I know that I am hopeless without you. And Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life and save me from my sin and bring me to heaven when I die. Jesus, I'm placing all my faith and trust and hope in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. When you do that, uh, Romans 10 verse 13 promises that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So again, if that's not something you have done, if you have not called on the name of Jesus and genuinely put your full trust and reliance in him, just pause this podcast and do it right now. Because verse 3 says, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. And, you know, in our world today, we are consistently finding peace and safety. The vast majority of the world thinks they have peace and safety, whether it be in government, whether it be in their work, they think they have peace and safety in in their bank accounts. People think that, that they have peace and safety, but the only peace and safety available to all humanity is Jesus Christ. You will have no peace and no safety outside of Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, I don't even like any of this. I'm not happy about it, but I don't get a, a vote. Heaven is not a democracy. We have one God represented in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and they run everything. Now, the good news is they're perfect. They're holy. It says God is love, so they can be trusted unlike human beings, to do everything perfectly. And this is the plan that the Lord set up. This is what it says in the Bible. So that's my job just to bring it to you as it is. I don't like the fact that it says people, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. You don't want that destruction to come on you, and I don't want it to come on you. And I certainly don't want it to come on me. So to avoid that destruction... Give your life to Jesus Christ. And we'll find out as we go on that if you give your life to Jesus Christ, verse 9, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to have destruction. I was telling Wendy this morning in Bible study that, uh, you know, you've heard people say, uh, you know, a loving God would never send me to hell. And I told her, that's true. You're right. A loving God won't send you to hell. You'll make that choice on your own. The Lord has given you an option today. Your heavenly father has given you an option. He has told you in the Bible, in his word, that Jesus Christ is your only option to avoid eternal damnation. Choose Jesus Christ today. Give your life to Jesus. Because if you don't, you have by default chosen eternal damnation. And that's not God's will. The Bible says in uh, in Timothy that it's God's will that 
all people be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So if you're listening to this today, God wants you to choose the option of Jesus Christ and call on him as your Lord and Savior. And you will avoid destruction, eternal death, and you'll get saved. You'll be You'll be made a new creation in Jesus Christ. You'll become part of the body of Christ. You'll be part of the bride of Christ. You'll be married to Jesus spiritually. Jesus will come and live in you by his Holy Spirit. God the Father will become your heavenly Father. Jesus Christ will become your Lord, your Master, your King, your God. Is there anything better than that? Is there anything better than that, Stephen? It's about the best news in the world, Dustin. Why would anyone not choose that? Why would you rationally say, no, I'll go ahead and take damnation? Mercy, Lord Jesus. So again, the Lord would have us, every human being that ever lived, choose Jesus Christ. And in doing, you'll avoid destruction. Without Jesus, eternity separated from God, regrettably in hell, is all that awaits we desperately need Jesus Christ. Every single one of us, personally and intimately, we need Jesus. Call on him today if you haven't. It. it says that, that this destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. I'm going to go ahead and just be candid I've never had this kind of labor pains. I've never been pregnant. Um, but it looks really, really hard to me. Painful. Right? When I just think about labor pains, Wendy had said today the only comparison is when a man, like, uh, you know, passes a kidney stone Apparently, it's so, so painful. That's what a labor pain is like. And I just got thankful. I just want to, you know, go out today and go find a lady somewhere and say, you ever had any kids? Yeah. I just want to thank you. Thank you. We ought to just be thankful, particularly as men. Because y'all haven't had any labor pains just like I haven't had any labor pains. Okay. Okay. And Paul, how labor pains must be so bad that Paul says this destruction is going to come suddenly like a labor pain. I guess there's a time in pregnancy. And frankly, I don't know a whole lot about this, but I guess it's at the end of the pregnancy when you're about to have the baby that these labor pains start coming. Right. And they can just be sharp and, and, and harsh and, and, and depending, I guess it's different for every, every pregnancy, but they can be for different amounts of time. Um, and, and this was the example Paul chose to use here. The Holy Spirit led Paul to say, this is how the destruction is going to come, right? So I guess I'm, I'm assuming that, that every person, every woman who's ever had a baby didn't enjoy the labor pains, Right? They're not, they're, it's painful, it's sharp, it's agonizing. You just want it to be done, I'll bet, right? But the good news is when the baby comes out, when little Johnny comes out, then the pain stop. Hallelujah. But they don't stop here because this says labor pains will come on them on a, as a pregnant woman 
and they will not escape. Imagine having labor pains for all eternity. Have mercy, Lord Jesus. It says they will not escape. Today, escape to Jesus Christ. Give your life to Jesus Christ. He's the only escape. Verse four, but you brothers are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. Verse five, you are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. As Christians, as those who have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, unfortunately, there are still days and weeks and seasons that we still, by choice, even though we're alive in Jesus Christ and we are children of the day, we're sons and daughters of God, we can still choose uh, to live in the darkness. And Paul says that because we're not in the darkness, we should not be surprised. What that is saying, what Paul is saying, is that you ought to be living your life this day, Ireland. You ought to be living your life this day, Kristen, looking for the return of Jesus Christ. So that if it happens, it's not a surprise because you've been looking for it to happen and you've been living in a way that you believe it's going to happen. What do I mean by that? If you knew Jesus Christ was coming back today, pretty much everyone listening to this would be doing something a little different, right? We'd probably, we'd probably shut off the country music and put on gospel music so that when the Lord came, he'd hear that gospel music, right? Amazing, right? That's what we'd be doing, right? Um, all of us would be living life a little different if we knew Jesus was coming back today. And, and that's, how, that's how we ought to be living our lives. We ought to be living our lives in an expectation that Jesus Christ is going to return. And when he returns, we're going to have to go as Christians to the judgment seat of Christ. And I will take a few minutes and explain this. Um, you know, I'll try to explain this clearly. Wendy thought this was important, but there are two judgments in the Bible. There's a judgment for non-believers, anyone in history who didn't receive Jesus Christ as their savior. That's the great white throne judgment at the end of Revelation. Uh, non-believers will be judged according to their works and none of them will be fit for heaven. Because only in Jesus Christ and in the righteousness of Christ and in the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and through Christ can you be made holy and right and one with God and go to heaven. So none of them will make it and they will be signed, assigned a different level of hell depending on the different levels of wickedness. The other judgment is a judgment for believers in Jesus Christ. This is called the judgment seat of Christ. This is where all Christians will go individually and give an account of their lives to Jesus Christ on how you lived your life in Christ, on how you gave your life to Christ, that he might use you and how well you were, you were able to be used by him in the advancement of his kingdom and the advancement of the gospel and 
in the advancement of the word of God. And accordingly, how well you do or don't or did or did not do in your life, you'll receive your reward and you will go off to heaven in complete joy um, with whatever reward you received. Okay, so you notice uh, unbelievers don't have the same punishment in hell and Christians do not have the same reward in heaven. Now, it's important to understand that if you're at the judgment seat of Christ, okay, you are there because you are a Christian. You're there because you've trusted in Jesus Christ. Okay, this judgment will have nothing to do with your salvation. The judgment seat of Christ has completely and only to do with your rewards. Your sin will not come up at the judgment seat of Christ. Everything you've done wrong, past, present, and future, if you're in Christ, has been put to the cross of Christ. That's pretty exciting. All of your sin, past, present, and future, has been credited to Jesus Christ at the cross, and his perfect righteous life has been credited to you. That exchange is the heart of the Christian gospel. That's what happens when you call on Jesus and ask him to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life. So the judgment seat of Christ is a judgment not for salvation. It has nothing to do with your salvation. You're, you were saved when you put your faith in Christ. But it's a judgment, an individual judgment for each believer in Jesus Christ to determine the reward they'll have in heaven. It will determine how you'll experience heaven. It will determine... Your position in heaven, your rank, so to speak, in heaven, how much you'll be used by Jesus. Um, if if my wife May and I both go to a football game uh, in Cowboys Stadium in Dallas, uh, Dallas, Texas, it's actually in Arlington, Texas, 100,000 people are there. If somehow we get separated and she's in the front row and I'm in the back, we're both in the stadium but she's watching a completely different game. She's down on the field, just getting the experience of that football game. I mean, I mean. While me, I'm up in the rafters, right? I can't even see the numbers on the players, but we're both in the game. So, you know, that's an analogy of how, you know, two Christians may both be in heaven, but depending on how useful you were to Jesus Christ in this life will determine how much you're used in heaven and the ways you're used. Now, you'll both be equally delighted that you're in heaven. Let's say, um, you know, myself and my man Dustin are in the army. And the army's kind of a, a big thing, the United States Army. And let's say Dustin's a general and I'm a private. We're both in the army. But Dustin has a different experience as a general than I do as a private. Life in the army as a general, right? General Dustin has immensely more responsibilities and, uh, and influence than, than Private John. It's the same in heaven, right? You get to heaven based entirely on what Jesus has done and by trusting in Jesus and receiving him, but your reward in heaven or the position you'll have in heaven will be based on how well that you lived your life in service to Christ in this life. So hopefully that makes sense. All right. You are all sons of the light. Now, when it says sons, it means sons and daughters. 
Uh, when you're in Jesus Christ, you're in the light. You have the revelation of Jesus Christ. You can truly understand this word of God. This kind of teaching will make sense to you. Um, if you're not in Jesus Christ, nothing makes sense. You're in complete darkness and life is nonsense. And all that we have, if you're not in Christ, your entire life is about living according to the world, the ways of the world, and the people of the world. When you come to Jesus Christ, you come into relationship with God as your father and the light goes on, so to speak. Sons of light, like a big light. You know, you go into a completely dark room, you put on a little light, all the darkness got to go away. Light is kind of a cool thing. Remember in Genesis chapter one, God said, you know, the first thing he says, let there be light. So let that be the case in your life today. Let there be light. There's enough darkness, light, light, light. Verse six. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. You know, he could have said a lot of things here, but he said, be alert and self-controlled. He said, those who are asleep are in darkness. Okay. The implication is they're not alert because you can't be alert when you're sleeping. This is what I want you to do. When you go to home tonight and go to bed and when you fall asleep, I want you to be alert at the same time you're sleeping. Can't do it. You can't be alert and sleeping at the same time, Stephen. That's not how it works, Chloe. Gwenda, you cannot be alert and sleeping. But let us be alert and self-controlled. Okay? When you live in the darkness, you're not alert. And self-control is a hard thing. Do you know self-control is one of the famous nine fruit of the Spirit? Over there in Galatians 5. When it talks about the fruit of the, the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, uh, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What is self-control? Unfortunately, as Christians, sometimes, you know, we can lack a little self-control. There's times I lack self-control. When I'm done with this podcast, my wife will yell at me for some lack of self-control. To be self-controlled means that as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a son of your heavenly father, that you remain on, a, on an even level emotionally. You remain on an even level, Josh, when, when things aren't going your way. That you just don't lose your grip and go off the handle and start going crazy and mad. Someone who's self-controlled even though they know the situation is not uh, pleasant, even though they may feel disrespected, they keep just a, a level-headed, calm demeanor, even in the face of, uh, of disrespect. Golly, Lord Jesus, we need help. My, uh, my brother Josh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's an important part of Kingdom Discipleship here, and... Uh, you know, he, he, he talks about that when he came to the ministry, how his biggest problem was that, that he would consistently be emotionally compromised. And Dustin taught him that. 
because Dustin was emotionally compromised. So two very sound young men of God, and this is years ago, right? Could, could see in their own lives that they were not self-controlled, particularly when things didn't go their way or when people didn't talk to them in a way they liked or, you know, they were at work and people weren't doing their job. But now you look at these guys and, uh, and that they have done what these scriptures have said. And now these men really are men that are far, far more self-controlled because they've given themselves to Jesus Christ and walked with Jesus Christ. And they don't live lives that are emotionally compromised anymore. They're self-controlled even when things are, uh, are unpleasant. All right, verse 7. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. Pretty much everything bad that happens, happens at night. You sleep at night. So, you know what Paul, remember when Paul's saying, if you're not in Jesus Christ, you're asleep. Of course, if you're not in Jesus Christ, you're sleeping 24 hours a day. It's as if you're, un, you're completely unconscious. And the only thing you need is Jesus Christ. And he will be your consciousness and give you light in all things. Um, but generally most crime is committed at night, right? Now we do wrong things throughout the day, but the point is Paul is saying that you're part of the light. And when we live in worldly ways, you know, most of these ways happen in darkness. Spiritual darkness is where we do most of our sin. But Paul says in verse 8, but since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled. Now he said that twice. Self-control must be important. Let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. When you get up in the morning, you want to get dressed. You want to get dressed and put on faith in Jesus Christ. You want to put on love for Jesus and love for others. You want to literally get dressed in faith and love. So in order to get dressed in faith and love, this is what you're going to have to do. Um, you're going to have to take off bitterness. You're going to have to take off, take off anger. You're going to have to take off pride. You're going to have to take off foolishness. You're going to have to take off unbelief. You're going to have to take all of that off and throw it in the trash and put on faith and love. Faith in Jesus and love for Jesus and love for everybody else. And then he says, in the hope of salvation as a helmet. When you get up in the morning, you ought to put your hope that, you know what, one day you ought to have a helmet on, that spiritual helmet where you're thinking throughout the day, I'm going to go home and be with Jesus. And there's really nothing better than that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Put that hope of, of salvation on as a helmet. Every day, just remind yourself and think about that. Golly, I'm going to go home and spend eternity with Jesus Christ. We talked about verse 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through Jesus, through our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have to. As Christians, we will not suffer the wrath of God. We'll go through difficulties. We'll be disciplined as, as children of our Heavenly Father but we won't suffer the wrath of God, the eternal wrath of God that, that separates us from him forever. 
And as I said, no person, not one person needs to suffer the wrath of God. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Why? Verse 10. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. What does this mean? See what it says? Jesus died for us. He gave his life for us. Jesus gave his life. Jesus lived a perfect life for you, died a perfect death for you, and then was, was raised from the dead. He's alive and risen. It says Jesus died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, what that means is if you're listening to this today as a Christian and you're a Christian of trusted Jesus Christ, you're awake, you're alive, and you're still in this life. But you know people who have died as Christians, okay? And they have left this life, but they are fully alive in the presence of God in heaven. So what Paul is saying here is he died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. As Christians, we are all, all part of one spiritual body, the body of Christ. So if we're still living in this life, we're living together. We're part of one body with those that are that have already gone on to be with Jesus, and they're alive and well and conscious in heaven. Whether we're awake in this life or whether we've got, our bodies have gone asleep completely, but that means our spirit and our soul is fully alive in the presence of Jesus. So we all live together. Whether, you're, whether we're a Christian that's alive today or whether a Christian that's died we're all alive and living together. We may live together with Jesus. Anyone that's died in Christ is fully alive right now and in the presence of Jesus Christ. There's just nothing better than that, golly. All right, verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Golly. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. This Thessalonian church was doing that. They were encouraging one another and building one another up in the word of God. And that ought to be our lifestyle, y'all. I got to say, um, you know, I, I just, we're at a point now, you know, in the church where it seems like more often than not, you would have thought this verse said, therefore, discourage one another as much as possible and tear each other down just as in fact you're doing. But that's not what it says. It says we're not to discourage one another. We're to encourage one another. You're to impart courage to one another. You exhort each other. You encourage people to live for Christ. You encourage them to come to Christ as we have here in this podcast, right? Or I have, I guess. Um, the IT guys there, Stephen and Dustin, doing a good job. I don't even know what they're doing right now. Um, but as Christians, we need to encourage one another and build each other up. Moment by moment, day by day. Hebrews 13 says to encourage one another daily. We're to encourage one another every single day. In all these things, in every aspect of the Christian life, you ought to be receiving encouragement, encouragement to live for Christ, encouragement to repent over sinful ways, encouragement over ways you're not self-controlled. And you ought to be giving encouragement to other Christians, right? To repent 
over aspects of their lives that are, that are not in order. Encouraging them of how much their Heavenly Father loves them and desires deeper and more intimate relationship with them. And build each other up. Always in Christ. We, you don't build each other up on unworldly ways. We don't build each other up in worldly philosophies. You build each other up in the word of God. Based on the son of God, Lauren, right? We build each other up, Nathan, in the scriptures. Therefore, encourage one another, Scott. And build each other up, Abraham. And he says to the Thessalonians, just as in fact you are doing. Now, it's interesting. And I'll end with this. People will tell me and have told me for many years now, why do I say the same thing over and 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 over? Okay. That's because I want you to do it. Okay. Why would Paul even say this? They're doing it. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you were doing. You think he wouldn't even have said it. The reason he said it is it's good for, good for them to hear it. It's good for me to hear it. It's good for y'all to hear it. Okay. It's good for us to hear these things over and over and over and over. Cause believe me, the world is going to, is going to continue to assault you. We have a spiritual enemy and the devil and, and the demons that will continue to assault us. So you want to be on the other side, consistently salting people. See, we don't assault, we salt. You want to be salting everybody, holding that salt shaker, putting salt over everyone you talk to. Salt, little salt, little more Jesus, little more Jesus, little more encouragement, building each other up in the word of God and in the son of God. Well, Father, I thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. Holy Spirit, we love you and we bless you. We ask you to help us to, to not be concerned with times and dates, except to know that Jesus is coming and we do pray, come Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray that the, the day of the Lord would not be like a thief in the night for us, for we are sons and daughters of light. And Father, I pray that we would live as sons and daughters of light. We would live our lives in the light of Jesus Christ, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King and God. Lord Jesus, I pray that all those that don't know you, all those who are finding peace and safety in everything else but you would repent today and come to Jesus Christ as their only Lord and Savior that they might, that they might avoid the destruction and the labor pains that come even as they come on, on a pregnant woman. I pray that they will escape this day in and through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, we ask you to help us that we would be self-controlled and alert and help us to get dressed every day and put on faith and love as a breastplate, that our hearts would be filled with faith and love in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Father, help us to put on the hope of salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Help that to be on our mind as a helmet every moment of every day. Father, we thank you that we are not appointed to wrath because wrath sounds really, really bad. But we're appointed to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for us and that we believe that whether we are alive in you, Jesus, or whether we've gone on into the next life and died in Christ, that we live together as one big family in Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
And Father, we ask you to help us, one and all, to consistently, more and more and more, encourage one another in the Word of God and in the Son of God and to build each other up, Lord. Help us to do that more and more and more and more. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org. If you'd like to email us directly, you can reach us at contact at kingdomd.org.